Good morning, it's first thing Friday so it's time for fix. This is the audio version of my weekly newsletter, made with a synthetic voice form Amazon Polly. Read the original, with all the links at addictivelondon.com. Fix Insider November 17th. Merchant. The consolidation in fast last mile continues. The getter deal to buy Gorilla is going through but the price has slipped to below $1 billion. Deliveroo is to close its operation in Australia. And is the new partnership between Uber Eats and GoPuff a hint at a future deal? Their collaboration in the UK sounds sensible. Uber has announced a partnership with quick commerce giant GoPuff which will help to enable customers across the country to order from GoPuff's wide range of everyday essentials, including branded products and fresh food items, direct from the Uber Eats app. I shared a piece by Om Malik last week and a couple of quotes are worth emphasizing. Things started to go wrong for GoPuff, much like its competitors, when it got too much venture capital to expand, diluting its focus to justify the amount of capital it had raised. GoPuff had to grow, or give a perception of growth, to its new investors. GoPuff had 165 warehouses in 2020. By 2021 the number had ballooned to 550. It spent $700 million in 2021 alone. It operated in 1,000 cities. It employed 18,000 couriers, talk about putting the cart before the horse. It bought booze retailer BevMo for $350 million and expanded to the UK when it bought a service called Fancy. Add a few more acquisitions and things started to really come apart. It is a shame because before it got SoftBank's slug of cash, GoPuff had a lot of things going right. It knew its end customers well and served their needs profitably. The company's core focus on the college market ensured it was doing well in college towns. It still does. Elsewhere, not so much. In the Bronx, for example, it lost $15 per order, proving that expanding into non-core markets was a bad idea. In short, their expansion was pretty haphazard. He ends with some optimism. Despite the tough economic conditions, the American consumer hasn't abandoned the behavior. It is because we are addicted to convenience. I have previously said that the pandemic was a beta test for a harsher reality that awaits us. Delivery and on-demand are part of that future. We just have not found the right economic models for it. This is a point I have made before, these growth sectors start with a good idea, but in an era of cheap money and FOMO we end up with too much money chasing too few people. Like streaming, there is healthy business in the new sector, but only for two or three players. The longer weaker players distort the market, spending VC money, the longer it takes for the winners to refine the business model and get to real profits. If you have not listened to the podcast on the Uber Eats story, I recommend it. One piece that stood out was the founder talking of being fingertips, so close to the numbers that they really understand the business. As we go into tough times and when growth is even more complicated being fingertips feels like a strength we all need. It's 36 minutes into the podcast. The allure of retail media sees trade press fascination continue, with a piece from Raconteur showing how mixed up the market is right now as it jumps from the quality of the data. Essentially, it's having media that is rich in data and finding audiences that are loaded with purchase intent, or that we at least know something about. But another quote on in-store shows some of the confusion. The real prize is the intent-rich data and the ability to use it across media channels. The ability to run the ads across the Sainsbury site and app is great too, but confining the potential to one end of the funnel risks missing the opportunity. We're fairly close to it being possible for loyalty apps to greet shoppers as they arrive, message them personalized offers as they move around the store and remind them at checkout of the items they missed. Imagine getting a reminder call from your smart fridge while you are in store to tell you to stock up on butter while it's on offer, just as you pass the chiller? 
Sainsbury says it sees a notable opportunity to digitize a proportion of its in-store media portfolio in the future, with the ability to programmatically serve adverts in-store based on time of day or the weather and the proximity to purchase being extremely appealing for its clients. Another article highlights the need to evolve, current relationships between CPGs and big retailers is complicated and well-monetized. Slotting fees, traditional shopper-marketer agreements and other fines to serve retailers tally up, and are entrenched through long-standing relationships that predate the retail media craze. Some view the cumulative cost increasingly as a tax versus a benefit, according to Winterberry Group's Harrison. That factor can feel particularly sharp when buying media outside the retailer's owned and operated platforms, or off-site. There is a need for great care here, so the benefits of the new opportunities don't negate the stability of the current ways. The real prize is hinted at here with a newish partnership between ITV and Infosum that enables brands and retailers to use their first-party data in the Infosum clean rooms to target ads across ITV. Closing the loop on attribution won't be easy but it gives ITV a competitive position. In a number of conversations around what is and isn't merchant media, Uber is often cited as the defining example. It has first-party data on customers and if you are a regular rider or Eats customer, they could have a lot. But does knowing I get Ubers to and from Whitechapel Station, loving the Elizabeth line, and prefer a Smokey Robinson from Patty and Bun really qualify as intent-rich data? And can the ad experience on the app and in the car avoid being annoying? It feels a little one-dimensional to me. Good podcast with analyst Andrew Lipsman, The Third Big Wave of Digital Advertising, A Deep Dive into Retail Media Networks. Some Good Quicks Reads on Merchant. Great piece by Selfridges Group MD on the destinations of the future. The jury is still out on Akato, with the Times the latest to question the business model. I think they need to develop a data strategy and offer customers a turnkey merchant media business too. Backing Akato requires investors to maintain blind faith. The online grocery company is plowing cash into rapidly building online fulfillment capacity on behalf of third-party retailers and its own joint venture with Marks & Spencer. The payback comes when those facilities reach sufficient scale and generate enough cash to counter the cost of signing new commercial partners. Yet the path to achieving the lofty earnings growth ambitions implied in the group's market valuation is fraught with risks. The FT look at the new head at Fraser's, the son-in-law of founder Mike Ashley, when I became CEO there was only one way, the new way. And a fascinating retail safari in Seoul. Newf. One of the theories about the current boom in content spending is that anything and everything is getting greenlit. Scripts that have been circulating for years now get funded. Is the latest Amazon news a sign of jumping the shark? Three months after long-running Aussie soap Neighbors ended, Amazon are to resurrect it. The first Barb data to feature Netflix doesn't feature Netflix, well as least not in the top 50 shows. But the next set of data will cover the new series of The Crown. I expect that to make a real impact. An analyst argues that the industry needs to rethink VOD and in particular how VOD revenues is bundled with linear, often to mask declines in linear revenue. It cements the view that VOD is an adjunct of television and therefore its revenues should come from television budgets. It effectively promotes a message that cannibalization is the order of the day. Yet there is a case to be argued that VOD should be additive to the broadcasters. It is, after all, classified as digital, at least by the IAB, so why is it not used to go after digital budgets? It offers the attributes of digital. And if Facebook and YouTube can claim they are clear substitutes for television, why should the opposite not be argued that VOD is a substitute for digital platforms? I think the distinction between VOD and AVOD comes down to the content. Much of the VOD content is closely related to linear content and consequently doesn't add much reach. Whereas Netflix or Apple etc. offer new, fresh content likely to extend reach, by attracting light viewers of linear.
This incremental reach is the holy grail for TV-focused brands. And an advisor to Marriott sings its praises, making the valid point it's a good additional opportunity for brands and broadcasters. Why Nielsen rival iSpot is investing millions in Vision Alternative Panel. Music. The latest Bubble Trouble podcast thinks music is worth $40 billion. Billboard see Lil Nas X as the key innovator in metaverse and music, pointing to the influence of his concert in Roblox three years ago. Fix friend Anthony McGuire wrote a prescient piece on Lil Nas X back in 2019, talking about the huge influence of Old Town Road. With interesting moves from Amazon, extending Amazon Music to all Prime customers, could TikTok be about to focus on music too? The information report they are ab-testing a music tab and a podcast tab is rumored to be next. AdTech With all the talk of a downturn in ads and the apparently contradictory progress for the newer entrants, many are asking what's next for AdTech? Ari Paparo is AdTech royalty and his new podcast is interesting. Ari points out that innovation requires fragmentation, and besides, many of those pushing an anti-complexity narrative just happen to have anti-complexity solutions to sell. Go figure. Digiday sees some larger publishers walking away from AdTech as they favor in-house solutions. If you read 1984 you will recognize the power of changing language to change how people think. Apple are going down that road by managing the vocabulary of its burgeoning ad sales team, looking to avoid any difficult conversations about what they do and what they prevented Facebook etc. doing. An agency exec has sought to explain the Apple moves by making parallels with other industries. The New York Times has a very positive piece on the success of TikTok at business, opening with a comparison between how Tiffany used Beyonce on Instagram and influencer Kate Bartlett on TikTok. This need for a different approach is something we see all the time in our good TikTok creative newsletters and underlines the changing market. AdTech can't make much difference on TikTok but creative can. Eric Sufert makes a compelling case for using market mix modeling as a core tool for measurement. Agencies. The noise around an ad downturn continues without any real resolution. It's interesting that agencies seem quite resilient and no surprise that Sir Martin is typically bullish. Given the reduction in global gross domestic product, GDP, growth rate forecasts for 2022 and 2023 and the likelihood of recession in some parts of the world, clients will be moving down the funnel, as we say, prioritizing performance and activation, measurement of marketing ROI and media mix modeling, which plays to our strengths. This reflects the fact that, for smart operators, lower funnel spend can be treated as a cost of sale rather than a discretionary brand budget. The Wall Street Journal remind us that complexity for marketers has meant opportunity for ad agencies, summed up by this quote from the WPP CEO. Clients will come to us and say today, how do I succeed on Amazon? Said Mark Reed, chief executive of WPP, which owns agencies including Ogilvy, Wonderman Thompson and VMLYNR as well as media buying business group. How do I build brands on social media? How do I protect my reputation on the web? How do I build stronger employee engagement? What's my mobile experience? How do I build direct-to-consumer, offerings? Those are all questions that they weren't asking, and we weren't answering, 10 years ago. All this is true but the next question for clients is whether they are getting access to the real talent. The problem for modern agencies is that most of the staff are proficient at the old stuff whilst the talent with the cutting-edge skills are spread thin. Which is why each wave of digital innovation has been led by the emergence of specialist agencies, Google search experts, Facebook marketing partners, mobile specialists, Amazon specialists and, next, TikTok and retail media experts. Smart brands work out what they need to do and increasingly in-house these skills and, or find best-of-breed partners. Look at how Unilever talk about their deep focus on retail media, with no mention of their agencies.
and as agencies become involved in the space as vendors, what should clients do? For example, if I was advising a Publicis client, I would ensure they were just as aware of the Curteo offer as that of Publicis owned Citrus ads. Web3. Nike unveils .swoosh platform to house Web3 projects, Vogue Business. Metaverse not immune to downsizing, Dapper Labs lays off 22 people. Plus plus. Connection, creativity and drama, teen life on social media in 2022. Lessons from a decade of Candy Crush, FT. And Microsoft Gaming CEO Phil Spencer has once again reiterated that the tech giant's acquisition of Activision Blizzard is more about mobile games like Candy Crush than Call of Duty. Analyst take on the Sony business. GTTC. Platform rivalry and weak consumer demand dog singles day, Vogue business. YouTube expands shopping features following digital advertising slowdown, FT. Meta creative strategy post iOS 14.5 part 2, how to test creative successfully, headlight. Seeing more comments on the negative aspects of TikTok. Snap and Amazon partner on our shopping in the Snapchat app, initially for eyewear. Tech jobs, mass layoffs herald great redistribution of talent backslash, FT. Brand disruption 2023, four key disruptions challenging brands, retailers, and the digital ecosystem. Welcome to the Balderton Founders Guide to B2B Sales.